The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everyone who listens to these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house. But it did not collapse. It had been set solidly on rock. And everyone who listens to these words of mine but does not act on them will be like a fool who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and buffeted the house, and it collapsed and was completely ruined. The Gospel of the Lord. Once again, as is typical on the days of Advent, there is a certain harmony in the way our readings speak, not just to us, but to one another. The scriptures of Advent are chosen because they relate to one another. And so that to understand the meaning of any one of the readings, we have to engage them as a set because it's a collective speaking that the church presents before us. It's one of the unique elements of how the Catholic Church engages sacred scripture. To understand one part of the scriptures, we often need to range and look across what the other scriptures are likewise saying. And the readings are chosen simply today, not simply because they speak in a way that relates to one another, but they speak in a way that relates to the mystery of what we celebrate in Advent. Because the readings are at the service of the mystery, even as they help to explain it. But it's also the context of the mystery, the marking of the time of Advent, that disposes us to meet the readings in a certain way. And today we have this parable of Jesus of the two different houses and they're two different destinies. But it's a parable we hear in the light of that curious repeated statement that we have through Advent from the prophet Isaiah about that day. That day that we are looking for. And on that day, as Isaiah continues to explain what that means, he speaks of a hymn of joyful praise that will be sung. A strong city we have. But then he explains what the strength of the city is and the nature of the city. It's not a city made by man. He is not speaking of any earthly Jerusalem as he speaks, because he says it is God who has raised up its walls. 
and the city is built and its gates open. And imagine this image of a strong city fortified and the gates open because the people aren't there yet. And the gates open to let in those who are just. This movement into the city where they will be safe, that will be proof against all things. But not a city protected by any earthly power, any earthly strength. What a remarkable vision that is. The city prepared by the Lord in which his people dwell. And the prophet continues, and he contrasts this with other cities. Because the people, the nation of the just, will rejoice in what the Lord does by bringing low the great and mighty cities of this world. Now, if we really listen to that, those of us who dwell in North America should feel a chill run down our spines. The great and mighty cities of this world will be brought low. And they will be brought low because the Lord humbles the great and humbles the mighty and lifts up the proud. And it should make us question, what are the walls of our earthly cities? And are they perhaps the walls of presumption? the walls of pride, the walls of a false and merely material prosperity? Or are they walls that the Lord would raise up? What an important question that is. But note the contrast. The proud, wealthy, worldly city brought to ruin. And this other city this other city whose walls are firm and invincible, raised up by the Lord, that opens its gates to receive a nation, to receive a people, to receive those who are just. And while the prophet Isaiah looks forward to the end, to that great day when the Lord accomplishes everything gloriously, we have, the note, we have a preliminary note of that eventual reality sounded in the words of Jesus, whose parable, although he doesn't use the expression that day, implies it. And here now the Lord, rather than speaking of nations, speaks directly to individuals. And again, he notes the contrast of two houses, two dwellings, two homes, two places where one makes a life for himself. And the Lord shows us these two homes with contrasting destinies. One survives, and the other collapses into utter ruin. And there are two important things that the Lord stresses as he tells this parable. The first is the different character of the foundations. One house is built on rock and the other on sand. And again, we have the echo of our first reading. 
The Lord is a strong and sure rock for his people. And note the echo now as the Lord talks about the house founded on rock. The Lord is a sure and strong rock for his people. And how does Jesus explain that? The one who hears my words and puts them into practice is the one who builds his house on rock. And why is that? Because the words of Christ are what reveal to us the full truth of the will of the Father. And Jesus is very deliberate about this. He is not speaking to the unbelieving world here. He is speaking to those who have come to hear him preach. He is speaking to that one who is hovering around the issue of becoming a disciple. And note what he says. Calling me Lord is not enough. That idea that if I say that Jesus is Lord, I am saved, Jesus himself says, is incorrect. It's necessary, but it's not enough. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will be saved. We can't be any more clear than that, can we? Note how important that is. The Lord has a further expectation from those who approach him. And it's about the meaning of that word, Lord. If someone is truly my Lord, then I am at his service. And if I am at someone's service, by definition, I do his will. Lord implies authority. The word Lord implies rule. It implies governance. So know what Jesus says. Just calling me your Lord, that's a good start. But it doesn't get you across the finish line. That's not what gets you saved. Living my Lordship is what does. And so the one who will be saved is the one who will do the will of my Father, not simply the one who says Jesus is Lord, but the one who says it not just with lips, but with the character of his living. And so Jesus says, be very careful then. The one who hears my word and acts upon it is the one who is building his house on rock. The one who has, as Isaiah writes, the Lord our God as the strong and sure rock of his life. That is the rock of salvation. But that one, and note what Jesus stresses, he doesn't say simply the one who doesn't follow my word He says, the one who hears my word. 
Note who he's speaking to. The one who knows enough to try and say, Jesus is Lord. The one who hears my word and does not act upon it is the one who is like the fool building his house on sand. To know the truth and not let the truth influence how you live is to be a fool. To know the way of salvation and decide to walk some other way because I know better or want something else is to make a tragically foolish choice. What an important teaching that is. And note how it turns on the meaning of Lord. Because if Jesus is my Lord, then following the will of Christ is what I need to do. It's not enough to hear the word. It's not enough to know what the word says. That is necessary. That is absolutely essential. But having been gifted with that, I have to act on it. I have to move in accordance with what I have learned and what I know. And as I begin to do that, imperfectly as it may be, the Lord God more and more becomes that sure and strong rock upon which my life is founded. Why is this important? Because of that day. And remember what we've been hearing since Advent started. The idea of that day, in fact, at the end of ordinary time, what have we been hearing in the weekday readings? That day will assault everyone. That day will come, and it will shake everything to its foundations. Note what the Lord says here. You don't know who the wise man and the fool are until the storm comes. When everything is going well, we can't tell who has been blessed because of his faithfulness to the Lord from who has simply blundered into worldly prosperity because they look the same. We can't tell easily the difference between the prosperous and great city of the world and that other prosperity which may not be so obvious because it is hidden in the faithfulness of the believer's heart. But the storm comes. Note what Jesus insists on. He doesn't say if you build your house on rock, the storm won't hit you because the storm comes to everybody. The cross comes to everyone. Hardship and struggle are part of this world. The storm, in fact, hits everyone sooner or later. And on that day, oh, the storm's going to hit every house all at once. And some houses will feel the heaviness of the wind and the sound of the thunder. And the floodwaters will rise near them. And yet, 
like that city whose walls the Lord himself has built, those houses will stand through the storm. And those who dwell within those houses founded on faithfulness, as the storm passes, will step outside and turn their faces joyfully to greet the sun. And then there's that other house that as the storm hits and shakes it, it doesn't simply begin to fall little by little, but ultimately collapses in complete ruin. And those who dwell therein have nothing but ruin to look at. But what is the difference? The one who hears these words of mine and acts on them. Notice how beautifully simple that is. How wonderfully clear that is. It's not those who say some special prayer. It's not those who do certain special practices that nobody else knows about. It's the one who does something so basic and so obvious we overlook it all the time. The one who hears my words and acts on them will be that one. And so hidden in all of this is also the Lord's instruction for how we meet that day. How are we ready for that day? And it begins with having the proper foundation. And it's good that we can reflect on this today outside, here, in front of so big a rock as this. We who gather at the foot of this rock, because on that rock is that one who more perfectly than anyone else heard the word and acted on it. In fact, at that great moment when the Word himself became flesh. And think about that. How does Jesus come into the world? Someone heard the Word and acted. She is that great example. And what does she say at that very moment as the Word becomes flesh? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. And what does that mean? Let it be with me according to your word, your will, as you have said. Our Lady shows us the way. I am the servant of the Lord, and what does the servant of the Lord seek to do? To know the will of the Lord? Follow it. And how marvelous that that is how Christ comes into the world. Jesus doesn't change. And so just as St. Louis de Montfort can say it is through the Holy Virgin Mary that Christ has come into the world, it is likewise through her that he must reign in the world. How does that reign assert itself in our lives? When we, like her, can say, Behold, this is who I am, servant of the Lord. Because if you are my Lord, I must be your servant. 
What does a servant do? I seek to know your will, to know your word, that I might live it, that I might follow it. How absolutely beautiful. But the other reason it is so wonderful that we hear these words here before this rock upon which a marvelous city and home are built is so that we recognize too the Lord himself built a house. He who comes to do his father's will built himself a house. Her name is Mary. And he enclosed himself in her by means of her faithfulness and was pleased to dwell there secure and firm for nine months before he showed his faith to the world. And she is that marvelous house that is more than merely a dwelling for any one of us. She is in no small measure that city which the Lord has raised up for his people. The sure walls of her sinless purity. The sure walls of her wisdom. The sure and certain and invincible walls of her faithfulness and her belonging to him. And he who has come into the world through the gate of that city also says to us during this time of Advent, the gates are open to let in those who are just. And how beautiful. How beautiful that not just any one of us, but that all of us might learn to move into that city, that holy dwelling of Christ himself, where we can be safe. Because that is the true city on the rock. How marvelous. How absolutely marvelous. Let us then, as we move forward through this holy season, not hesitate to surrender ourselves as Christ himself did into the care and protection of our Blessed Lady. He has shown us the example. If this is the way that he has marked out for himself, who are you or I to say, I think I know a better one? And how beautiful then, and how simple. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father. And how do we do that? Those who hear my words, act on them are those wise men, those wise women who have a city, a house founded upon the solid rock of the Lord himself. Amen. Thanks, folks.